Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. That sound right there is us breaking the glass ceiling. Because this thing, this podcast right here, is going through the roof. What can I say? We've had one listen to each episode. So excited about that. Thank you for the one listener. I know y'all are, I know the rest of you are listening to this and we're like, who's this guy? And where this, how this podcast even get in my radar? But here you are. And you're here for the fun times. So, this is going to be, this is, welcome to episode three. Glad you guys came back for the third episode. Uh, This is going to be, uh, this episode is definitely going to expand your horizons on youth sports. Okay? We're not talking high school sports, college sports. Uh, We're talking about the the sports that parents coach that we have volunteers to do that we think every parent who coaches thinks that they're the next John Wooden. Um, and we also have to talk about the parents that aren't coaching, but decide to put their three cents into how to coach a team. It's like, I understand you can coach. I understand. I understand, you know, sports. I understand, you know, this, uh, something about basketball or whatever, but if you wanted a coach, then you should have been the coach. Like, not trying to be a dick, not trying to ruffle some feathers out there, but at the same time, have a little respect for the coach and how he runs the team. Uh, so that's my PSA for that for now. Um, we are going to get into deeper dive right now. But hey, um, I got a little little fun, fun did you know for everybody. Uh Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete Maravich, could never spin the basketball on his finger. And the reason why he couldn't, or the reason why he, his reasoning for it, he said, was, when am I ever going to use that in a game? So, I mean, that's one of the best shooters of all time. You know, puts it out there like that. I mean, the guy did average 44 points at college for LSU. And then went on to start for the New Orleans Jazz and the Utah Jazz. And then won a championship with the Celtics in the 80s um, at the end of his career. So, a little, little fun fact there. Alright, let's get down to business. Let's get the brass tacks here. Youth sports, okay? I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert. But I will have to say, I have coached youth sports since I was 11th grade in high school. Because instead of playing basketball, I decided to go coach. Um, started coaching at sixth through eighth grade team at the Y. Um, had my cousin who was the ninth grader as my assistant coach. So basically, kids coaching kids is how this went. We had we went zero and nine that year. Uh, we got beat by a team fifty to fifty points to two. And that's only because they stopped keeping score after 50. 
I'm pretty sure it was more than that. But we walked in the gym and they were all pretty much dunking. So that was fun. Uh, mind you, my guys were probably, I think the tallest one was 5'5 five, five at the time. Um, everybody else is shorter than that. Uh, what I learned from that experience is a parents, even if, and I understand I was a kid at the time. I get that. I understand I never coached before. I understand that, uh, that losing games is not fun. However, the, my goal as a youth coach, as a, as a coach, even at that age was not to not win. winning games is fun. It adds a little bit more of excitement to the, to the process. But if the kids just get better, if at the beginning of the year, we're not scoring any points. And at the end of the year, we're in three close, very close games that we lose by a bucket. Um, then our kids is improved. Like that's, that's the goal. I mean, as, as a youth coach, your goal is to prepare them for the next level, prepare them for the, whether it's a third grader going into fourth grade, get those skills prepared for that next level. So then that way, when he, the, when they have another coach, that coach can then help process, you know, show, show the kids that aren't there, the basics, and then maybe, expand on that horizon a little bit and make them better so that way when they get to the high school level they they have an efficiency and an iq of of the sport whether it's basketball baseball volleyball whatever it whatever the kids playing at least let the coaches just coach let the coaches teach that's that's what we're doing at that age is we're teaching we're trying to get them ready for the next level um and Again, with that experience, with that first year of experiences, that I had a parent that pulled three kids off my team. Granted, I only had ten kids to begin with, and one kid rustled, so he'd show up to practice, but never the games on Saturdays because he was at wrestling meets on Saturdays. So I'm down to nine kids, and then I have a parent pull three kids off because she didn't like how I was coaching, because I didn't let her bring in her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend to help me coach the team. Like, I get it. You want, you want a little bit of extra input, but they're the same age as me. So how is it, how is it going to help any further? Also, if you felt that they could be the coach, they should have volunteered to coach. I volunteered my time to coach as an 11th grader. Okay. I volunteer my coach now as 39 years old to coach basketball. Um, so it's, it's, I'm putting the time and effort into this and I would, you know, have respect, have the parents have respect for that, that here I am taking time away from my family to do a granite. I love coaching and, and I love to see the, the looks on the kids faces when they actually are able to achieve something. Um, and that, and that's the best part. That's, that's the best part. So parents out there, let the, let the coaches coach. If you have a little input, at least wait 24 hours until after the incident to calm down and then maybe reach out to the coach text or a phone call and just say, Hey, can we talk something? There's something I saw that I didn't like. Maybe, you know, and the coaches would be very perceptive of that. I would be very perceptive of that if you, 
if you see something but that you, that could help help them be better cuz as the only coach on the bench I can't see everything um I got to worry about subbing I got to worry about making sure everybody gets in um rotation got to make sure that you know got to harp on the refs every now and then um not and not just to harp on them but because I mean, sometimes they make bad calls, and I'm not John Wooden, of course, and I'm not Bobby Knight, and I'm I'm not Rick Pitino, but the fact of the matter is, need to the the refs still need to ref an equal equal game, and so so I'll handle that point as well. Um, but as parents, as fans, um, just encourage the kids. Don't get down on them after the games either. Well, you did this, you did that wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like, me and my daughter uh, in fifth grade coaching our volleyball team, we'd butt heads because I was still coaching after that fact. After the practice was over, after the game was, I was still trying to coach her. But that's not the time to be a coach still. Um, As a parent, you have to be able to separate that. You have to be able to separate the two. You have to be able to know when you have to be the coach and when you have to be the parent and during the game you're the coach during practice you're the coach but afterwards you have to be the parent you have to be able to listen um again i fifth grade was was hard because again i was just still trying to coach her all the time so but now that she's in the eighth grade and she's a little more perceptive of of what i have to say because a i'm not coaching her and b she knows I can help her in the areas that she needs help with. Um, so again, parents just be the parent, be, be the biggest cheerleader you can be for your kids. Don't get down on them. Uh, again, if you need help, if you need to talk to the coach, wait 24 hours. So now this brings me on to coaches, coaches out there, um, or people that aspire, aspire to be a coach. You really come in with a game plan. Uh, you you're gonna get limited time every week with your team. Like right now, I coach eighth grade team for one of the uh, schools here in town. Um, well, actually, not the schools. I should say for one of the programs here in town, and we have four hours of practice every week. We have two hours on two different nights. That's it. Um, so. And a lot of these kids have never picked up a, a basketball before they started this year. Um, so it's it's a matter of... And then we have kids that have have been playing basketball since they were three, four, five years old. Some kids started in third grade, fourth grade, you know, pick, picking up a basketball. And so, so some kids haven't picked up a basketball until recently. So we have all these kids that are different um, levels of where they're at. Uh, and I've always had the philosophy as a coach, you're only as strong as your um, basically weakest link. And I'm not saying the kids are the weakest link just because they don't know how to play basketball. But you're only as strong as, as where... where the bottom is, okay? So, if not everybody's at the same spot, you're only as strong as that 
as that lower lower person because you have to build him up. Um, at the same time you're building him up, you're also got to progress with the kids in front of him. Um, your eventual hope is to get the that kid up to a level, you know, a good spot where he's picking up on things or she's picking up on things um, to be able to to do that. And as a coach, sometimes you have to sit there and instruct and teach because as coaches, that's what you need to do first is, is be is teach. Um, you have to have the mindset of just because you know the game, just because you know what, what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean the kids know what they're doing yet. Because again, remember they're kids. They, they haven't been around for 20, 30, 40 years to, and grew, and they're not grown ups, So they haven't done all the processing of how to see, see something that we naturally see as coaches uh, just because we've been around the game long enough. So we really need to really need to work on that. We, as coaches, we really need to, if you're not an AAU coach or if you're not, you know, on a travel team where you can basically pick your kids, then as youth coaches that are volunteering, you guys, you really need to, don't get down on the kids for one. Kids are only going to be do as best as they can. Uh, and you have to believe that they're putting out their best effort every single game. Uh, always offer encouragement. Uh, the biggest thing you can do to a person is discourage them by giving them negativity. So if I have to tell, if I have to tell the kids, hey, you guys are doing this, I'll start off with, Hey, you guys are you guys really need to cover that wing because he's getting open on threes. Like I need you guys to bust out there. However, you guys are doing a really good job of not letting them get into the paint. So, tell give them something that they need to improve on, and then but tell them what they're also doing well at, so that way they continue to do it. Um, I get a lot more head nods by doing that rather than just sitting there and yelling at them. Um, and also make sure that as you. Make sure that if you're going to run plays or run an offense, um, a we have to you have to simplify it because again you have kids that haven't been there a long time. So make your offenses simple, make them easy to comprehend. Uh, don't throw a lot at them. Um, as eighth graders, we expect them to. As eighth graders, you know I would expect expect them to be able to run a couple offenses. However, the kids I'm coaching aren't there yet. So we have to do one offense at a time, which I'm fine with. Like, if that's all you get through for the entire year, but we're actually going to get that down. Uh, our defense is where it's really been at because a lot of the kids love to play defense. So that's been a fun time for, for me this year is because defense is one of my favorite favorite things in sports is defense. Uh, and all all my kids love to play defense, so they just need to cover that wing a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so coaches, again, you're not John Wood, and you're out there trying to win championships. You're out there trying to trying to improve the ch- the kids that you're working with. Uh, some of you guys are going to be coaching your own kid, okay? Uh, and again, that comes back to being uh, as I stated earlier, you got to you got to learn how to separate the two you have to learn how to when to be a coach and when to be a parent so I always say what I've 
learned to do um, because I did coach my daughter in sixth grade. Uh, but what I learned to do after the whole fifth grade debacle is sixth grade, we're not going to talk about after practice things that need to be done. Um, as soon as we walk out that door, we're no longer talking about practice unless she brings it up or unless he brings it up or the child brings it up to you about, hey, this is what I saw during practice. Like, how can I get better at this or how can we get get our other team teammates to improve better as well to know where I, to where to be and everything else. So let them bring it to you because you have a vast knowledge of, I would assume the sport that you're coaching. Uh, I had a coach girls volleyball for three straight years and knew absolutely nothing about it the first year. Absolutely nothing. So it was a work in progress, but by sixth grade, we won our, we won our end of the year tournament. So that, and it was basically the same girls all three years as well. So that was huge to see them go from where they were at to being able to get that medal at the end of the year. Uh, and to watch their happiness that in that fall of that sixth grade year. So, but that's, that's what I'm saying. As a coach, we want to progress them. So that way they get better and better and better. So your first couple of years are going to be, could be horrible, but if you, continue to work with them you continue to pack in the fundamentals because not everybody loves the game they like the game they say they might say they love it but they but they like it because they can play with their friends they can be out there and have a fun time um their parents you know like to watch them sometimes the kids are just doing it because the parents are forcing them to do it um but if you're if you're going to do that if you're going to be that type of person that you're forcing a kid, your kid to play sports, then you definitely can't harp on them when they're making mistakes because the kid does is only being out there for your benefit anyways. Um, and I've never believed in forcing a kid to play a sport or do, you know, that they didn't like try it. If you don't like it, fine. But at least you're going to try it. This is what I've always, is what I've always thought is just try it. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. It's not the end of the world. I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do when it comes to extracurricular activities. Not everyone's sports fan. Not everyone's going to enjoy this podcast as much as I'm making it. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, we got, we got to remember that the kids are the kids and they're just kids. That's it. So don't yell. Yelling doesn't doesn't help anything. Don't get mad. Um, you can you can get irritated, but your emotions as a coach on that sideline are going to affect your team because your players are going to be looking at you. And if you have your head down, if you have a mean face on, if you're just ranting and raving the entire time, then your kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to start chirping at, chirping at the refs. They're going to start chirping at the other team. They're going to get down. They're not going to tr- put out the effort that you need them to put out. Um, so as you being the leader, you have to lead by example. And that, as coaches, I th- would feel you should lead by example anyways. Um, since you do have the next gen, since you are teaching the next generation, whether it's a sport or not. Um, so just think about that as your coach as well. Um, make things simple. Um, simple's 
unless, like I said, unless you're a traveling team, then you can, and you can have more than a couple hours a week of practice, then that helps out. Um, and always be willing to listen as a coach. I understand you're the coach, but just be able to listen, listen to others' opinions. And that goes for you too. Like if you saw something on the court that you don't like, you have to have a 24 hour rule as well, not to be mad at that kid, um, to not, to let your emotions calm down before you decide to bring that up. Because a lot of times happens, emotions are running high after a game. Emotions are running high after a game and, uh, things you could say things that you don't actually mean because you're just upset at how the game went. And that's not going to help you or help you get along with the parents or help you get along with those kids either. So you just got to be very aware, a lot of self-awareness of, of how to proceed. And I have, and as a coach, I get like to get on the refs. I get on the umpires if I'm coaching baseball or whatever. Um, because, but again, they make mistakes I can point them out, but I mean, I did get, uh, just this last week, I did thought I was going to get a technical for the first time as a coach because I was yelling at the, at the, uh, referee of our game. But then I got told, how about you coach? And how about you let the referees ref? So there was that option as well. I mean, I could let the referees ref, but I mean, if they're doing a, they're not calling something. I granted there's only two of them and I've been in their position before as a referee coaching or refereeing men's adult basketball league. And I'll tell you what, the biggest babies in this world are adult men. I can kid you not. I don't know how many times I had the six foot eight, 270 pound guy look at me and goes, you're going to call that a foul. And I'm like, he's five eleven, bro. And a buck 80. How's, how's he going to follow you and disrupt your shot? Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Every time it was, and it was a funny thing. It was the same guy every week that would call complain about the most files that he wasn't getting called. It was ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, and also I coached men's softball, uh, slow pitch softball. I mean, I can say I coached cause I also played, but I'm the guy that had to put the team together and you want to see another, another baby right there bench one of your friends because they're not playing well enough because they don't know how to field a ball or better than yet that they're like, I want to play shortstop. Well, you suck at shortstop. (laughs) So why would I put you at shortstop? Go play left field, go play right field. Like you, you can lose some friends that way. But at the same time, if your friends, if they're really your friends, they'd have respect for your decisions as well. And I'm guessing as coaches, you're coaching your friends as kids. So again, listen, as a coach, they're your friends first and foremost. When you have Jonathan Taylor, who's the number one running back in the league this year, and you don't hand him the ball against the Jaguars and you put it on Carson Wentz's shoulders, you're going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. And then you got it kicked out of the playoffs. So that's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Deshaun Watson, other NFL news, Deshaun Watson is not facing any criminal charges. The grand jury did not come back with criminal charges. Um, so it sounds like he's just got to deal with the civil matters now, which 
any team that are interested in Deshaun Watson, that's going to be a huge factor. Still think he gets suspended by the league, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but if Watson can become a Raider, I'll take Watson as well. Or, But I, I bet you the Panthers are going to push for him. The Panthers can trade Darnold and some draft picks, probably throw some other little pieces together and make a huge deal going over there. And then you're going to still keep McCaffrey and have Watson. McCaffrey stops getting having his ankles injury, injured. He'll be hamstrings and ankle injuries have been really slowing him down. So need to have that fixed. And I think he's still going to be good to go there as well. All right. So, yeah, I mean, basketball, real quick, you got Ben Simmons getting booed by the Philadelphia fans. Whatever. I mean, Ben Simmons is going to show If the Nets make the playoffs, Ben Simmons is going to show up and just do away with that. So, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Uh, Clippers, you know, Clippers fan, down year. Really wish PG-13 and Kawhi could come back, but it doesn't look like that's happening anytime soon. So, we just continue to root for the Bulls. And I like Zach Levine. Um think the Suns are good the Bulls you know Celtics are up and coming as well with Jason Tatum the Bulls they need to make sure that they can start winning against some of the top teams in the uh in the league so all right now topic of the day let's go so big news of this of this week for esports is Snoop Dogg has signed with uh the FaZe Clan uh so this is a really huge deal for esports. Um, you have all these pro athletes. You have you have pro athletes. Now you got and you got some hip hop hip hop artists that are joining EA sport joining the esports spectrum. Um, and Snoop has got some cred. I mean, he's not just it's just not hype. Just not the hype. Like Snoop can is a huge gamer. Juju Smith-Schuster is a huge gamer. Um, you got some EA, some of the eSports owners of teams um, are pro athletes. Um, you have, let's see, Shaq owns... Um, NRG, I believe. Let's see. Yeah, I believe Shaq owns NRG. You have Rick Fox. He owns uh he owns Echo Fox up until October twenty nineteen. You have let's see. Yeah, you got O'Neal, like I said. He owns NRG, I do believe. That's who he owns. Or at least is invested in it anyways. So, I mean, EA Sports is up and coming. Um, with Or not EA Sports. Jeez, I don't understand why I keep on calling it EA Sports. It's eSports. eSports is up and coming. Um, 
it's going to it's basically been taken off the last 10 12 years or 14 years i guess and it's just continue to just continue going to grow definitely over the next i mean definitely over the next decade it's going to grow immensely you have twitch that is an is a streaming service youtube is definitely up their game for e esports no they the olympic is olympics is trying to figure out how to get esports as as a medal um so it's esports is just going to be another platform where we can watch sports watch and get, be entertained um there are call of duty's huge right now valorant um we have overwatch league you have um just all these huge um huge clans i mean you have fa you have phase clan which has over 80 members uh you have team liquid cloud 9 100 thieves fanatic G2 Esports, Nadas, uh, Optic Gaming, Evil Genius, and OG as your top 10. Um, so, it's it's really, really taken off. Um, TBS always shows the Overwatch League. And then you have multiple earners. I mean, you have... Here's... You know, Team Liquid has made $38 million in 2,161 tournaments. OG's made $35 million in 128 tournaments. Evil Genius has made $25 million in 908 tournaments. So, tournament play is huge. Um, and it's just going to continue to take off is what it really is going to do. I mean, it's... I can't say it enough but i do think this is if you want to get into esports and start streaming now is the time because in the next 10 years i think with everything going more virtual everything going with more of the meta place like what facebook has become it's gonna it's gonna be a lot more of um happening around uh on on the gaming side uh, you can get sponsorships out of it. You got you can get scholarships out of it from colleges. I mean, so here's 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 a little take of about how it's really jumping off. I mean, only seven colleges and universities had varsity esports programs in 2016. Um, in 2018, there were 63 institutions of it. Um, and it's just going to continue to rise. Uh, so in 2017, 750 million dollars um, was was invested, contributed in investments, making up 50 percent of the world market size. Um, end of year projections expects the esports to be a 2.3 billion dollar market in 2022. 
Um, so again, it's just going to keep going and going. And like I said, the Olympics are trying to figure it out. Uh, since they don't want to have violent video games, they're talking about doing metal rounds for like NBA 2K, Madden, uh, getting NHL hockey, getting that type of stuff. It's and it's just been creating, just building and building and building, um, and it's just going to continue to build. I mean, when you have your major universities involved with college sports and giving out scholarships for it, that's a that's a huge way to bring it along. I mean, you got yeah, you have multiple multiple universities and colleges. Um, just think about if there's ever the if they ever get into a bracket tournament going on here bracket style play it's going to be um, I mean the Mac the Mid-American Conference created a conference has conference play for it so <laughs> that's that's how it is um, so we're at over a, at, by 2019 we're at 130 college varsity programs right now oh, and then Activision um, is aligned with it. Riot Games, you know, College League of Legends. So you got Riot Games and also they switched partners. Um, they also have the formation of the Riot Scholastic Association of America as the governing body of collegiate and high school esports for the League of Legends. You have Rocket League, Overwatch, FIFA, Madden, Fortnite, Modern Warfare. The list just goes on and on and on. And the more you, the more there's going to be. Uh, I mean, even during, let's take an example when we had COVID going on in 2020. You had professional athletes getting on Twitch and start streaming games because they knew. And with the esports, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you I know everything about esports because I absolutely don't. Um, I think you guys need to check it out for yourself. Um, I just started, you know, I just started gaming online two years ago. Um, started a Twitch page, a Twitch channel, like a, you know, about eight months ago, I think, if that, <laughs> and and slowly have just built up. You know, meeting meeting good dudes online, just playing playing good dudes, and that's the beauty of it. Is if with uh, online play, is that you're able to play with guys from all across the country, all across the world, and y'all have a common interest. You guys, you know, get together and find a good time out and have fun. I mean, I have play with the same group of guys pretty much every single night. You know, play some Call of Duty, um, but you know, there's uh, one. Me and this other guy, uh, Super underscore Sal. You can find him on Twitter at, at Super underscore Sal or on his Twitch page. You can go to my channel. One guy with a mic, uh, go to my channel. You can click on him. He's always streaming from 1 o'clock till 5 p.m. Monday through Friday on uh, on Twitch. You can always see a stream there. 
um, interacts with his chat. Good dude. So um, his brother's Mike Dro. Um, he streams MLB the Show. Uh, again, um, just a good dude. Um, you got T Benny Three. He streams uh, Major Mangoes, Latin Vaz. Like, go check these guys out because they interact with their. Ch- hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales podcast is all about the lesser known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? How about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman? These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintails.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.